everyone, and welcome to the Dagobah Dispatch, a safe space for nerds to come and nerd out on all things Star Wars. And today we are really going to nerd out, as I'm going to put all those years of reading expanded universe Star Wars books to good use, or, or maybe just use, as I uh, am going to reveal my list of the top 10 Star Wars books ever. Just in time for the holidays, I'm going to tell you what Star Wars books to get that special Star Wars loving someone, or even better, what Star Wars books to tell them to get you. It's a Star Wars literary deep dive coming up, so get your reading glasses ready, because if there is one thing you absolutely need for listening to a podcast, it is reading glasses. I am Dalton Ross, here as always with my better half, Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Hello, hello. I am very excited to dive into this episode because this is one we've talked about doing for a long time. And uh, you are the expert when it comes to Star Wars books. So I am very excited to to take a deep dive into this. It's this it's like it's it's the sad it's like it's the opposite of a brag, like because it's really <laughs> sad and like depressing. Like my wife says to me, like, do you read anything except Star Wars books? I'm like, yes, I read other stuff. I just read a lot of Star Wars books. So it just <laughs> look the the proportion and the ratio doesn't look great. I'll admit it. Uh, but they just they put out so many damn books. I mean, Jesus, I, there's you know two to three hundred of them out there. I mean, it's just like it just never ends. Oh yeah, four so, decades worth of of books. So we got we got a, a lot to talk about. Too much to talk about. So uh, anyway, but uh, but it'll it'll be fun, and we'll talk a little bit more that about that in just a second. But first, we got to do some housekeeping. As you know, we love to interact with you all. Please uh, hit us up on social media, find us, follow us, uh, comment to us there. Another way you can interact is through Spotify, as we always mention. We put a poll up there with each episode, and you can vote on each poll. And I don't even know if you know what the the most recent poll was, Devin. I sent it to Sammy to put up. The poll was. Should Devin have bought a Life Day robe at Galaxy's Edge? Because <laughs> you're sending me photos of Life Day robes. I believe it's true. $49.99? Is that what they're going for? $49.99. Okay. That's what they were. And uh, the results are in. And 50% say yes and 50% say no. That's an even split. But why I'm even more enthused is because I think for the first time ever in the history of the Spotify poll, it actually adds up to 100. <laughs> Sammy put in cheering effects, like sound effects, bells, bells, like applause, whatever you want, because I am so excited to see that finally we have 100% participation in our poll. I love the idea that just like like six people voted or something like that. So it's like three and three. <laughs> no, I know. Thank God. This is what we have to do from now on. No three or three or four options. It has to be two options only. Yeah. So we can get the uh, the hundred percent. But there it is. An even split. Wow, I'm surprised stage. that it was an even split. I thought it would be yeah. 100% uh, encouraging me to be fiscally irresponsible and buy a bunch of Life Day robes. Um, well, I voted yes. That was me. I voted fiscal <laughs> irresponsibility every time. So I know I was like, I wish I had $150 to spend because I would have gotten matching ones for you, me, and Lauren Morgan. I know. I got you a gift. Uh, now, granted, my gift cost $1 that I got you. So you know, it's not not 50 It was $1. I'll take it. It's still uh, yeah. it's still lovely. It's still right. perfect. Uh, good enough. Anyway, uh, another way to communicate with us is leave us a voicemail. Anything you want to talk about, and if you want to react to what we're going to get into later in this show or any other Star Wars stuff, stuff happening out there, or if you want to get our hot take on something, 
just give a call uh, us a call at 657-799-1566 657-799-1566 you can leave your thoughts and questions and devin we got a few uh voicemails this week that we're gonna play so uh that's just it you leave us a voicemail and you and you can get yourself on the show so let's uh hear some of our voicemails now sammy uh, let's bring Sammy Junio, producer, crack producer extraordinaire, who's rocking a Back to the Future hat right now. And you know I'm excited about that. Uh, Sammy, what do we got for our first voicemail? Our first voicemail comes from beloved Digoba Dispatchian. Uh, Wait, what did you just call our podcast? Digoba. From a beloved you know Digoba Dispatchian. Do you know what our podcast is called? Something you said Digoba or Digoba like, Planets? <laughs> like, what are we? I had too much coffee. I get it. I deserve this. <laughs> and we deserve <laughs> I mean, you're the producer of the podcast. I mean, you've, you've Look, I didn't you name it. I didn't out, name it. <laughs> I mean, Sammy's the producer. Maybe I've been pronouncing it wrong all these years. Yeah, Digoba is <laughs> the way it goes. <laughs> All right, our first voicemail from a beloved Dagaba Dispatchian <laughs> is from John in Seattle, posing a question about maybe one of our favorite things about Star Wars, which is sharing it with our beloved ones. Mm. Ooh. Hi, Devin and Dalton. Uh, my name is John, and just want to say uh, how much I enjoy the show. And a few weeks back, I think it was the episode that aired on Sammy's birthday. Happy birthday, Sammy. Uh, you guys talked about being kids and watching the Star Wars movies and then having to avoid uh, certain scenes and then showing the movies to your kids and having similar moments. So what I was wondering, uh, as a parent, were there any scenes that you were especially excited for your kids first? Uh, thank you very much and enjoy the show. So, Devin, well, you, as for your kids, what were you excited to show them? What was the well? Uh, the, the you time? know, when I sat down to watch these with my cats, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to make sure that <laughs> no, I'm I am not a parent, um, but I'm, you know, I uh, have showed it to many friends over the years. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to toss this one over to you, Dalton. It's a really good question, though, because I know your kids have gotten into Star Wars because you kind of hooked them on it at a young age, isn't that right? No, that means they didn't have a choice. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's no, like no my future children will be in the same yeah. boat. It'll be like, okay, great. You're four years old. Time to sit down. Let me start by giving props to John because I, I love this question because what John did was he took something we had discussed, which was like the scenes that like, you know, we were worried about like showing, uh, you know, little kids and totally flipped it and like said, hey, well, I'm actually curious about the opposite. So I, lo I love that. I love this question, John. So, I mean, my answer, unfortunately, is probably pretty predictable uh, as i'm watching with my kids the things that i want to see how they re they react to were the big twists so obviously the i am your father right like i'm watching my kids watch that scene so i can see how they react like and then the luke and leia twins are they just confused are they like that's gross they're like making out in hoth and now like they're like doing this like what is going on and why is leia's hair so straight uh so it's that's sort of like like those those kind of scenes. But then also I would say if I was going to add on to it, this won't be surprised. Just like the super cool stuff. Like I know I guess I'm supposed to call them ATATs. I'm always going to call them ADATs. I don't care. The ADATs <laughs> on Hoth, like just when you first hear them, like far away and see them approaching, it's like, what is that? I remember being really like watching my kids watch that. All the Java stuff, which I know Devin loves as well. All the Java stuff in Return of the Jedi. So that's really the stuff that I really enjoyed the most sort of watching my kids, watching them discover 
these twists and also just seeing some of this badass coolness. Yeah, I think that's there's something really fun about getting to show somebody something for the first time that you really love. Like I get so anxious. Like I like made my friends watch uh, Lord of the Rings for the first time. I don't know how they've gotten through like the last 20 years without seeing it. Expanded um, edition, Devin. Expanded oh, edition. Okay. Please. I was like, we so that's like, a, that's like a, that's a big time. Commitment. It was a big time commitment. We did one movie by movie. Um, so we did like one movie on one Saturday and then like a week later we did another one. Um, but there's something really nerve wracking about showing something you love to someone for the first time because you're like, Oh my God, what if they don't like it? Oh my God. What if they're on their phone while during like the, you know, the Vader reveal or whatever. Um, so it's, there's, but there's something, I think that's a, a big sign of love is, you know, showing the people you love the things that you love and sitting and doing the same for them. Um, that's one of the ways, that's one of my love languages is forcing people to sit down and, and watch things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having kids eventually and getting to do that with them. Good question, John. All right, Great Sammy, question. let's keep it going. What, uh, what else is in the mailbag this week? Our second voicemail comes from Brian. Uh, actually, the next two voicemails are on topic for today. Mm. And Brian is offering up a, uh, Kind of maybe possibly a wackier vibe than what we're than we're covering today. Ooh, I'm excited. Hello, my name is Brian. I have a top Star Wars book for your consideration. I submit to you Star Wars: The Mystery of the Rebellious Robot from 1979. There are no lightsabers or even blasters for that matter, but the story does manage to faithfully represent Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie in multiple boring meetings and art artfully combined. <laughs> For the mystery that would make Scooby Doo and the Mystery Gang proud. Uh, it's like the Phantom Menace before the Phantom Menace. I loved it when I was five and I love it now. But my wife will tell you I'm strange. Love the podcast. <laughs> Multiple boring <laughs> meetings. Wait, this sounds incredible. <laughs> I I remember this book. It's um so it's like it's like a I don't want to say like a picture book, but it's like a short sort of kids book with like, you know. Big illustrations. I like. I don't remember reading it, but like I'm looking at the cover of it now. I just pulled it up, and I totally remember seeing it. I think it was the, probably like it was like in our Scholastic catalog. Do you remember Scholastic, oh. where you order books that they deliver to school? I think it was that type of book. Incredible, if I remember correctly. So uh, <laughs> I love that Brian's calling that out. Well, I, I will say this, Brian. Spoiler alert: It's not on the list, but. That doesn't mean there might not be some books from 1970s on this list. That's a little a little tease, little tease for you there coming up. Uh, but before we can get to the uh, the full list, love it, Brian. That's awesome. Let's let's yeah. get to one more voicemail. What do we got, Sammy? All right, our final call from a beloved Dagobah Dispatchian comes from Brandon from Seattle, who's offering up uh, a trilogy that highlights our favorite. Star Wars character, or so says EW.com. Hey guys, love the podcast. This is Brandon from Seattle. You were talking about books from Star Wars, and I just consumed every single bit of Legends from the 90s when there was no Phantom Menace, no special editions, anything like that. Lots of people are going to talk about Timothy Zahn and Kevin J. Anderson and the Thrawn books, the Jedi Academy, all of that. One of the series of books that I think gets short shrift and not enough attention is a trilogy of books called The Black Fleet Crisis by Michael Kubi McDowell from the mid-90s. Um, some of it is uh, not the best, but I think one of the things I appreciate about it the most was the portrayal of 
Leia as leader of the New Republic. Um, earlier books put her in the position of leading the New Republic after Mon Mothma went ill, and this book did a great job, I thought, of portraying her in a leadership position, making tough military decisions, um, dealing with crises. I really loved that series of books specifically for its portrayal of Leia as leader of the New Republic. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye. Uh, Brandon, I love this call because I, I have not read this trilogy. I'm aware of it. I know it's three books, um, as you mentioned, by Michael Q. McDowell. And these came out, Devin, in like the late 1990s. I have not read them. And, uh, and, and he thinks they're getting short shrift. I take recommendations, Devin. So I'm excited to hear whenever I hear someone that's excited, really excited about a, a book or a book series like this, um, I will check it out. I know this is like that original Thrawn trilogy he referenced, which may or may not be on my list. Uh, it takes place after Return of the Jedi. And like that original Tron, Thrawn trilogy, it follows the, the the three L's, Luke, Lando, and Leia. Actually, four, because Lobot. Lobot is <gasps> uh, is rocking in, in these books as well. Oh, heck yeah. He's on the cover, I think, on one of them. I think, I think Lobot is actually on the cover of the first one, if I remember correctly. Oh, my God. That makes me so excited to read them. I'm yeah. like, oh, give me give me that, that, that Lobot action. I'm, oh, I'm so 100%. into that. 100%. So, uh, so I love it, and I love the call, and I'm going to check these out, um, Brandon. And I also will use that to encourage anyone else, after listening to my list, if you have other suggestions, please call and leave us a voicemail and do that at 657-799-1566, not just for me and for Devin, but for our other listeners who maybe want to don't trust me and my picks and want to listen to other people. Uh, Look, so, Dalton needs to be taken down a peg. So if you yeah, disagree 100%. with him on anything, please call us and let us know because yeah, I want to hear your opinions. And yeah. there, I mean, again, there's so many books to talk about that. Yeah, because listen, and, and Devin, let, we'll use that as we get into my list now because a, a, a few, I don't know if you call them disclaimers, but just explanations as you do the list because it's really hard doing a, a book ranking list because one, there's a million books. I've read an abnormal amount of Star Wars books but I have not read them all. Uh, not even close to reading them. Yeah. All. I mean, like there's certain series, like people are going to uh, be aghast when I say this, like the new Jedi order books, there's 19 of those. Okay. I, I just have not taken on new Jedi order. There's 10 of the X-Wing series books. I have read those Michael A. Stackpole's uh, X-Wing series, but boys, there's a bazillion books that makes it really, really hard to begin with. Then for those that aren't aware, you have all these Star Wars books that are written. And then suddenly in 2014, that entire expanded universe canon has been created. Dunzo. Gone. They basically like retconned all of it. They said anything written before 2014 is now no longer considered official canon. That is now classified as a quote-unquote legends title. So... That makes it a little difficult maybe as well. My list is going to include both legends and canon, and I'll explain those because I still think some of these legend stories are 100% worth reading, even if they aren't officially canon anymore. Um, and then, you know, just people have different preferences, Devin. You know, people, Lauren and I have argued about this with some of the High Republic books that have come out recently. Like, you know, what's the, the, the type of story you enjoy? What's the style of writing that hooks you? What are the particular characters that you want to learn more about? We all have those differences. So this is my top 10 list. This is not a definitive list. It's more just a, a, a guide, right? If you're looking to, to dive deeper into the expanded universe, these are some, some 
key titles I think that you do well to check out. If you're so overwhelmed by the volume of Star Wars books, this is just going to sort of set you up with a few, I think, key ones and that you might enjoy. I think that's a really smart way to look at it because again, like that, and that's one of the fun things I think about Star Wars is that, you know, there's no one right way to be a Star Wars fan. You know, you can be the person who has read every single one of the books and, or you're like me and has read a bunch of the comics or, you know, you're a huge fan of the animated stuff or you just watched the theatrical films. Um, That's one of the, it's kind of, there's never been a better time to be a Star Wars fan because there's so much at our fingertips. Some of it's great. Some of it's not so great. Um, but it's so much fun to sort of find your own niche and kind of figure out like what you really love and like what kind of books you love and what kind of movies you love. And um, it's so I'm really excited to to hear your list because I need to get more into the, the books. I've read a couple and I'm curious to see if the ones I know are going to be on your list. Um, but if not, I'm going to walk away with a really fat reading list for for Christmas. And I will just say, you're right that it's never been a better time to be a Star Wars fan. There's all this stuff coming, but it's not here yet. So this is actually a great time to delve into the books because all these movies and TV shows that are coming and, you know, we're waiting for the Acolyte and and the Jude Law series and all these movies that have been announced, but they're not here yet. We're going to have a a, a few months, it sounds like, at least until we see anything. So this is a good time to jump into the books. All right. I also will just note that I'm going to be cheating maybe a little bit on this list. I said top 10. <laughs> I will let Judge Devin Kogan make an official ruling whether this counts as cheating or not when we get to okay. certain titles. Uh, so Devin can rule and decide and you can you can rule as well. All right. All right. We're going to go from 10 to 1. All right. We'll save my the best for last and we'll, we'll start at number 10. Number 10 is a book that came out this year, Devin. It is Inquisitor colon Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah S. Dawson. We played you guys a uh, an, an exclusive audio excerpt earlier this year on our show. And basically, you know, most of the recent Star Wars novels have come out in the past few years, almost all of them, not all, but a lot of them, have been dealing with Lucasfilm's High Republic initiative, right? And the, even the High Republic, there's like different time periods in that and it's a there's a lot of Jedi and they're going against the path of the open hand and there's this bad group, the Nile, and they're going against that. But for me, the best book that's come out in the past few years has been Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade, which has nothing to do with any of that. And this is basically the story of this Padawan, Iskat Akaris. And it's set across many years and basically shows her like descent to the dark side and shows what could transform a Jedi into a, a Jedi hunter. And it's um, it's really, I think, the most complete backstory we've ever been given to one of the Inquisitors and how they were sort of recruited into the fold, which is what made it so fascinating for me. And it plays out over a long period of time, but I, I love the character and I love the progression and I love sort of seeing how this person turns. We've had a lot of people turn in Star Wars, but maybe not quite like this. Let's take a quick listen. For all these picks, we've got little audio excerpts. So let's take a quick listen to part of Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade. Iscat was supposed to observe carefully as Sember haggled with the shopkeeper, but her attention was drawn to the text, now just a squarish lump under the hide. She'd never seen a Sith artifact before. No wonder Sember hadn't let her touch it. She could still feel it, though, like a small child with arms reaching out, begging to be held. An attraction to the dark side, it seems, Devin. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, this is one I remember you guys talking about uh, when 
when it dropped earlier this year. And I was like, ooh, that sounds up my alley. I may have to pick that one up. It's definitely, I like I said, for the past sort of two, three years, that's the best book, I think. So it's just came out this year and it's really intriguing. And it's, uh, I will say this though, I'm going to say this right now. I encourage people to read this book. It has an epilogue. And the epilogue really bummed me out. Oh, <laughs> I, really? the, I almost <laughs> want to say, don't read the epilogue. And I don't want to say why I didn't like it, because it sort of is a little bit of a spoiler. But let's just say I love this book until the epilogue, which I really did not like. So I'll let that, you know, you can judge whether how that makes you feel in terms of if you want to pick this book up or not. But it's great until the epilogue. And maybe it's just me, but. I feel like that undid some of the mystery for this character and just rather it hadn't been. Enough. Okay. That's my number 10 inquisitor rise of the red blade Delilah S Dawson. Number nine uh, is an, a legends title that came out in 2006. It is outbound flight by Timothy Zahn. Now Timothy Zahn is most known for creating grand Admiral Thrawn and his heir to the Empire trilogy, which may or may not be on this list coming up later. Outbound Flight uh, has a lot of the same characters from Heir to the Empire. It's basically a prequel, in a sense, to that series. There's this Outbound Flight project that's first mentioned in Heir to the Empire. And now this talks about the project. And it's this Jedi, Joris Siboth, who basically is obsessed with this proposed voyage of 50,000 people traveling to the remote corners of the galaxy to explore and colonize. And th this is a voyage, though, that like Palpatine, Darth Sidious wants to destroy. And so there's all these factions coming at it. And then who pops in but this mysterious, red-skinned, blue-eyed alien named Thrawn. Wait, red-skinned, blue-eyed, or blue-skinned, red-eyed? Blue-skinned, red-eyed. Thank you for fixing me there. Uh so he and Thrawn basically this is this is the now retconned first meeting between Palpatine and Thrawn. Again, Ooh. there's a bunch of new Thrawn books, it's completely re redone, but the original story, this is first how they meet here. This also is there's some Anakin Obi-Wan action. This takes place around Attack of the Clones era. There's a lot of good action to it. There's space exploration to it. There's political intrigue to it. So it has all those factors kind of in, in a stew that I just dev absolutely devoured. Let's listen to a quick clip from Outbound Flight. I think it's more likely the hyperdrive will blow up first, Cardass warned. Remember that nullifier problem I told you about? I think it's getting... He was cut off by a wailing sound from beneath them, and with a lurch, the bargain hunter leapt forward like a jiffa on a scent. Running hot! Kento shouted, spinning back to his board. Maris, shut her down! Trying! Maris called back over the wailing as her fingers danced across her board. Control lines are looping. Can't get a signal through. Well, how dramatic was that music, right? Ooh, I <laughs> she, love that. Going fired up. Yeah, there's a lot of characters, like I said, on the flight. There's things happening, malfunctioning, and it's going to blow, and that kind of stuff. But then there's other... It's a it's a great book. If it wouldn't be the first book I'd read. Again, it's a prequel to Heir to the Empire. It might be on the list. Uh, but it's definitely, if you want more from that vein and those characters, this is a great place to go. No, that sounds great. 
I mean, look, I love Timothy Zahn, and I, I'm also really interested by the idea of this, you know, coming out in 2006. I mean, this was kind of immediately after, um, you know, kind of the prequel trilogy. So I feel like that would be a fun kind of world to get to play in. And that's what's cool about it, is that these are characters that were originally created after the original trilogy, right? Yeah. And they, they originally see them after Return of the Jedi. And now, at least with Thrawn and the, this Jedi, you see them much earlier and so that's kind of cool. It's like a prequel to a series of, you know, it's just odd, but it's yeah. cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to number eight. Now, this is where I may be cheating, starting my cheating. Number eight is the Han Solo Adventures. Now, what this means is there's three different books, Han Solo at Star's End, Han Solo's Revenge, and Han Solo at the Lost Le- and the Lost Legacy, which were then all later put into one book called The Han Solo Adventures. They're by Brian Daly. These came out in 1979 to 1980. First off, am I cheating, Devin? I'll allow it. I think okay. it's your list. I'll allow it. Yeah. It's it's a series. I'm going to do more cheating later. Uh, but it's a series. <laughs> but the, the, you can't actually get this in one book. You can actually get one book that has all three books in it. But anyway, I, these are super old school. We're going like, again, 1979. If you want a swashbuckle, this this is the this is the series for you. It's old school Han Solo. These are you know written after the very first Star Wars movie, and they take place about two years before the events of New Hope. It's Han, it's Chewie, it's this this droid, and they're basically trying to avoid entanglements with something called the dreaded corporate sector authority, and. It's just super fun, right? Like it, it may not be as deep or as dark, but it's just, this is a good swashbuckling time. And I just want to give a shout out to, there's this one character named Galandro, who is, you know, like Star Wars loves their gunslingers, yes. you know, like Boba Fett, Cad Bane, even Han Solo is a gunslinger. This guy Galandro is like the fastest draw in the galaxy. And he's such a cool character. And I'm almost in a weird way surprised they haven't somehow put him into live action because he'd be so great. And so, you know, one thing I should note is that there's actually, if you're going to search this out, Devin, there is a different Han Solo trilogy by Anne Crispin that came out in the late nineties. That's good. It's fine. That's not the one I'm recommending. The Han Solo adventures are from Brian Daly were written in 1979 to 1980. I know you love you some Han Solo, so I can see you getting into this, Deb. This sounds 100% up my alley. And I do remember going to the library as a kid and seeing these, and I would like occasionally pick up some anything that had like Star Wars on the cover and and you know, give it a give it a try. Um these were ones that I did not read, but I I remember seeing the covers of these. And look, you know I love me some swashbuckling. I love me some Han Solo. This might be I I might have to pick these up. And they're 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 uh, it's a quick read. Like the like I said, the fact that they put three books into one shows you that it's a pretty quick breezy read. It's like, but they're super super fun. I found one of the, uh, I have the Han Solo Adventures, but then I found one of the original of the second book, Han Solo's Revenge, like in a bookstore for fifty cents recently. I was like, way more excited than I should have been. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to number seven, my seventh favorite Star Wars book. Comes from my favorite modern day current Star Wars author, Claudia Gray. Now, let me just start by saying there's two Claudia Gray books on this list. There almost could have been a third. I literally almost put it her third, which is um, Lost Stars, which is a 
YA entry and Lost Stars, if you're interested, it's basically about two friends who grow up and one joins the rebellion. The other one ends up fighting for the empire. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to reconcile their friendship, maybe more than friendship, uh, with the, um, the different choices that they made in terms of the political realm. And that's a great book. That's not on this list. But for number seven, we have Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. And what makes this story great, it's set eight years before The Phantom Menace, Devin. And it's the, the story is Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. They go to this planet. There's a teenage princess who's going to have this coronation. But there's a bunch of accompanying corporate complications that come with that, certain contracts that when she took the crown, things were going to expire. So maybe people don't want her to take the crown and could her life be in danger? And that's all fine. It's a good story. But what's great about this is it's a real deep dive into that tense and troubled relationship between teacher and student, right? We, we catch that in A Phantom Menace. This really goes in hard on that. And basically, Qui-Gon's been offered a, a seat on the Jedi Council. Uh, and he has to decide whether he's going to take it. If he takes it, he's going to pass his pupil off to another master. So Obi-Wan's like, all right, I don't really see eye to eye with Qui-Gon. So on one hand, that could be good. But on the other hand, like, is he just discarding me, like throwing me away? And so he has, you know, mixed feelings about that. And so it's this clash of styles and personalities that's great. The juxtaposition also includes a lot of flashbacks to when Qui-Gon was training under Count Dooku. And this sort of obsession with Jedi prophecies that Dooku had and that Qui-Gon has as well, and whether that holds uh, the key to the future. Uh, let's take a quick listen to Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Rules could be memorized. They could be written down, studied, made certain. They were the opposite of the archaic, mystical writings Qui-Gon seemed to value more than any other texts of the Order. Obi-Wan preferred certainty when it could be had. Most frustrating of all, Qui-Gon's methods worked most of the time. Whatever changeable madness he steered by, it steered him well. Which meant there was something important about being a Jedi that Obi-Wan didn't yet understand. Uh, it's good, Devin. It's good. Oh, I'm into this. I the Claudia Gray has been one of those authors I've heard so much about and has been on my list of things that I really want to dive into. And I'm really fascinated by the idea of kind of going deep on the relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan because it is very much unexplored. Um, I mean, you get obviously you get it in The Phantom Menace, but I mean, it, it's such a fascinating kind of, you know, weird, interesting relationship. And I love the idea of, of taking more of a deep dive into it. Yeah, if you if you want to see more of that master apprentice dynamic in episode one that was touched on, master and apprentice is the perfect place to start. Uh, it's it's a really really fun book, um, and really like I said, deep philosophical discussions and action. There's a lot of action in this book. I don't want to make it seem it's all ponderous, you know, philosophical debates. There's a lot of action in this film. Uh, excuse me, in this book as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to number six, which is a super interesting one, one which I just read uh, recently. If you are a fan of the Clone Wars TV series, and if you're just bummed out that there's not more Clone Wars, uh, well, there is, kind of, because there's Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. It came out in 2015, and this is based on unproduced scripts that were originally supposed to comprise an eight-episode arc of the Clone Wars. And this is a, for a time where the Clone Wars was sort of 
on hiatus, taken off the air and sort of came back for those last episodes. But this never was made. It's a great arc. So what happens is the Jedi Council is basically like this Dooku guy. He is really creating quite a stir across the galaxy. We got to take this dude out of the picture. And they decide, Devin, to assassinate him. Now, that's not a very Jedi-like thing to do, as we know. So they're basically like, we need someone else to assassinate him. So they ask uh, Quinlan Voss, who, in one of my terrible predictions, said was going to show up on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, <laughs> and he never did. But he was mentioned. But uh, they, they basically ask him to pair up with Asajj Ventress, who, as we know from the Clone Wars, used to be Dooku's apprentice. And now hates Dooku. So they like Voss and Ventress, let's get them together and take down Count Dooku. It's what you end up getting is a really just riveting push and pull, not just between Voss and Ventress, but between light and dark. And like I said, the Jedi are trying to assassinate him. So even they're in this weird, murky, muddy morass between both, you know, light and dark. It's a really surprising relationship between Voss and Ventress. It's um, got a lot of heart in it. It's got a lot of heartbreak. And it really just sort of, you can see it play out on screen as you're reading it. So what I can say to you is, if you've never watched The Clone Wars, maybe it's not the best book to start with. You could. You could read it and you could enjoy it and you would enjoy it. But if you're a Clone Wars fan and you watched all the show and you haven't read this book, you really do owe it to yourself to read this book. Let's take a quick listen to Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. Dash somersaulted from the table to the floor, grabbing two chairs in the process and hurling them at the four-eyed arachnoid Aqualish firing steadily, though fruitlessly, at Tall. The furniture struck the bodyguard perfectly and he went sprawling to the floor, limbs entangled in the chair's back and legs at painful-looking angles. His blaster flew out of his hands. The Moran caught it effortlessly. He whistled as he examined it. Nice. Oh, no, you don't, Blue. So, Dark Disciple, Devin, I think you'd, you'd really like this book. This sounds very up my alley. I mean, I'm, I love the pairing of Ventress and Voss. These are two characters that I really love. And, yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea of, like, the Jedi being like, let's straight up assassinate Count Dooku. <laughs> Like well, let's send, let's send some assassins. Just like let's just take him out. <laughs> well, the, this happens early, so it's not. But like the it makes it even funnier. They're like let's assassin, assassinate him. They're like we don't do that. We're Jedi, and it's like well, let's get someone else to do it. Like oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine to order the assassination. We just can't actually do it ourselves. But we can't. We'll get Voss. He's a he's one of us. But you know he's a little like he flirts with some yeah, of that dark side. Like, well, he can do yeah. it. Like. <laughs> So it doesn't really make a lot of Jedi sense, but it's still I mean, great. look, the Jedi Order at that point in time, they were kind of messing with, you know, they were like, ah, we can sort of do what we want. You know, who, who really cares? And, you know, maybe that's why people weren't very happy with them at this point in time. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's a, it's a great book, again, especially if you watch The Clone Wars and Rebels and some of those shows there. All right. We have five down on my list of the best Star Wars books ever, and we have five to go, and I will reveal my picks for the five best Star Wars books right after this quick break.
All right, Devin, we uh, we have given our uh, numbers six through ten on my list of best Star Wars books ever. Number ten was Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah S. Dawson. Number nine was Outbound Flight by Timothy Zahn. That's now a Legends title. Number eight, The Han Solo Adventures. Those are three Han Solo books by Brian Daly. They came out in 1979 to 1980, obviously Legends. Uh, number seven, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Number six, Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. And that brings us to number five, where we have another Legends title. Now, look, we all watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, the, the Disney Plus series. It, it told the tale of what happened to the venerable Jedi Master when he settled on Tatooine after dropping Luke off with his uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. But that story had already been told, everyone. All right, that story had already been committed, at least to paper. Uh, by John Jackson Miller in the book Kenobi. This came out in 2013. So it is a Legends title. It's not canon, which is why they can make the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because this is basically in the same sort of time period, although this is more sooner after he's dropped Luke off. But um, it basically tells the tale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's dropped Luke off and now he's hanging out on Tatooine to oversee the kid, right? But there's this big dispute going on between some farmers at this trading outpost and the Tusken Raiders. And there's a big Tusken Raider attack on the farmers and there's this big dispute. So Obi-Wan has to, he gets caught in the middle. And, you know, I love, love, love this book. And I actually talked to Deborah Chow, who directed Obi-Wan, was this sort of showrunner on Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, you know, I was like, I was like, wondering if you're going to pull elements. She's like, oh yeah, I love that book. That book is such a great book, but no, we're doing something different here. Uh, so it's like a smaller, it's a, a smaller scale story than what we saw on the Disney Plus series, right? There's no Inquisitors running around. There's no like Princess Leia's not being kidnapped. It's just sort of at a, you know, a land dispute essentially happening in Tatooine. But I love the way it gets at Obi-Wan. Um, you know, it's that, as I call it, a mix of wit and wisdom, but also you get at the emotional scars of like his tutelage gone wrong. And if you love this character, like I said, if you love Obi-Wan Kenobi character, this is a book you have to read. Let's take it. Take a quick listen. Another hovercraft arrived. Fancier, with sloping curves. The silver vehicle carried two humans in an open compartment protected by a windshield. A grim, hairy-faced human steered the vessel as his older passenger stood brazenly up in his seat. A yark had seen the passenger before at a greater distance. Clean-shaven, older than most Tuscans ever got, and always wearing the same senseless expression. The Smiling One. Mmm, The Smiling One. Uh, you'll read and you'll find out a lot more about that. So, Devin, what about getting a little deep dive into Obi-Wan Kenobi here? Oh, I'm into this. I mean, yeah, this is this is one of those sort of time periods of of Star Wars history that has been such fertile ground for storytellers. I mean, it, it's, you know, you watch the films and you think, okay, but what was up with Obi-Wan Kenobi in that, that period between Revenge of the Sith and um, A New Hope? And so it, it's sort of, a, I'm, it's no surprise that there's been, you know, books about it and now a TV series about it. And uh, look, I, I do love me some Obi-Wan Kenobi. We know this. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think I liked the, Obi-Wan Kenobi series more than most people. I understand what people had issues with about it. Um, but if you are one of those people that had issues with it, then go read this book. You got a, you got a whole do-over. You got a whole different separate story over here uh, happening. And just read that and you can pretend that that's canon. I like You got both. options. 
Yeah, you got options. You can either column A or column B, whatever you whatever you want. All right. At number four, we have my last canon title. I'll just tell say that everything, my top three, the gold, silver, and bronze is all legends. This is a canon title. It came out in 2016. It is another Claudia Gray entry. I know that you knew that this was going to be on the list, Devin. It is Bloodline. Uh, you've heard, if you've listened to this podcast while well, you've heard Lauren Morgan and I talk about this book a lot. We both love it. But I will say this. This book is not for everybody. Because maybe more than any other book in either the new canon or in the legends, this is foremost a political and not an action thriller. That means there's lots of debates about, you know, policy, role of government in everyday lives. It takes place six years before Force Awakens. So it's a really key time. And what's happening is po some politicians are raising questions and they're starting to question like, have things improved since the toppling of the empire? There's all this, it's kind of like the old Republic too. It's like a lot of bureaucracy and things aren't happening and we need you know, without the firm order that the empire had, like things are falling apart. And you have these two sort of um, political parties, much like we have in here in the United States, uh, fighting against each other, the centrists and the, the populists. And they're sort of going at each other with very different philosophical feelings in terms of, of, of how things should approach. And I find that really fascinating. But especially when you consider the rise of the First Order that's just around the corner, this is basically showing the seeds of that uprising being planted here in the sequel series. It also has one of the most fascinatingly complex expanded universe characters ever in this centrist senator named Ransom Casterfo, Cast I guess. I don't know. I've always read it. I've never said it. It's the first time I've ever said it in my life. <laughs> but uh, Senator Casterfo is basically... This guy, he collects imperial artifacts. He admires certain tenets of the empire, but he also has this personal, very deep disdain for Darth Vader. Um, you think you're going to feel one way about this guy at the beginning, and you feel a lot differently about him at the end. Very complex and interesting. That, I love that character. But why Bloodline really shines, in addition to all that, is basically, I really do think this is the most complete literary portrait of Leia Organa. We really see all of her strengths as a senator, diplomacy, leadership. And yes, there's action, there is actions film and she kicks ass when she needs to be. So this is the character that mostly due to Devin Kogan, we named number one Star Wars character <laughs> of all time. She, she uh, outdid me on the voting there. And, uh, and this is her, this is her close up, Devin. I know what a fan you are of Leia. She's your favorite character ever, which is why you of all people, need to read Bloodline. Let's take a quick listen to part of Bloodline by Claudia Gray. Protests bubbled up from the populist senators, and it was all Leia could do not to groan. Now her own party would keep her from being heard. C-3PO's gold head swiveled from side to side as he attempted to record the entire debate. I should have thought the Senate would welcome your generous offer. Oh dear. Oh dear is right. So you get a sense of it there. The, I said it's a lot of political intrigue, back forth bickering and behind in chambers and things. And that, that's what you get in this book. It's fascinating, Devin. Oh, so this is the one that has been on my list for a really long time. I keep saying on my list, but this is the one that I, I'm like, all right, this is the one I've heard the most about. You know me, I love Leia. But I think it answers kind of like a really important question that a lot of people kind of had with The Force Awakens, which is like, 
why did we sort of fall back into this this you know uh era of the first order and like sort of you know like the failure of the senate and 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 this this is the book that gets into like the governing and the really interesting behind the scenes elements so this is this is one that i i think is one that i absolutely need to read yeah i think if like you know like i said i it it may not be for everyone but if you like political intrigue then you should go for this one. If you want more of a straight ahead, more action story, there may be a master and apprentice, which has a lot of, you know, philosophical stuff as well, as I mentioned. But anyway, Claudia Gray, she's a great author. Bloodline, Master and Apprentice, and Lost Stars. You all should read them all. They're great. Um, all right, let's move into the top three now. Like I said, we're going all legends, but these things are all very connected to Star Wars stuff you've seen on screen. Number three, I'm cheating again. And this is a big cheat because they're not even compiled into one book. It is a trilogy of books. And this is the Darth Bane trilogy uh, by Drew Karpsvian. Um, it's These are Legends books. They came out in 2007 to 2009. The books are Path of Destruction, Rule of Two, and Dynasty of Evil. Um, listen, we've heard all about the infamous Sith Rule of Two, right? One master and one apprentice. No more, no less. We've heard it a bunch. This is the origin story of that. And it's basically a trilogy of books that chronicles the rise of Darth Bane, how he tears apart the original Brotherhood of Darkness because he feels that there's too unwieldy and for the Sith to survive, it has to go small scale and from the shadows. And then a thousand years later, I guess it works once Palpatine comes around. And this is, this is the start of that thousand year journey to wipe out the Jedi and take control of the galaxy. So it follows Bane from when he's, you know, his humble beginnings to becoming a, a failed Sith student to then this unstoppable dark force. It's um, incredible books, three of them. Uh, you definitely have to read them and let's give you a taste. I believe from the first one, Path of Destruction right here. The power of the dark side cannot be dispersed among the masses. It must be concentrated in the few who are worthy of the honor. The strength of numbers was a trap, one that had snared all the great Sith Lords who had come before. Naga Sadao, Exar Kun, Darth Revan, each had been powerful, each had drawn disciples in, teaching them the ways of the dark side. Each had assembled an army of followers and unleashed them against the Jedi. Yet in each and every case, the servants of light had prevailed. This is a good history lesson, Devin. I'm into this. I this is one of those those names that I've heard thrown around a lot, Darth Bane, that I know very little, if anything, about. Um, but this, I've heard you, you are not the only one who really loves this trilogy and and talks about it quite a lot. So I am I am intrigued. Yeah, it's really good stuff. The one thing I'll say is. I completely misinterpreted the end of this trilogy, and it's so <laughs> really? funny because I thought it was one thing, and I and then I of course like it's one of those things you read it, and then you're like googling it, and like then I found actually the author put out like on his site like a, an official statement of what actually happened at the end, and it was not what I thought it was. But the fact <laughs> that he had to put that out there because so many people I guess thought as I did, so. After you read the book, then go Google it, uh, the ending, the third book. Um, but it's really, really great stuff, especially the first book, Path of Destruction. I mean, I, that is a, just a great, great story. And so if you want to learn more about the Sith and the dark side, this is a great place to start. And it leads in well 
to number two, because we're sort of staying on that side, another Legends title. This one came out in 2012. Remember that quote, Devin, from Revenge of the Sith? It's Palpatine. It's Anakin. They're sitting at the opera house. I know where and, this is going. And Palpatine very slowly turns his head and says, did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Let's go. Well, here it is. You can you can hear the tragedy for yourself because there is the book Darth Plagueis by James Lucino. Came out in 2012. Uh, that super creepy scene in the space opera, which, by the way, J.J. Abrams told me was his favorite prequel scene ever. Uh, this this tells the story. That's like basically what what Palpatine gives Anakin is the Cliff's Notes version, right? Like that is just like the the bullet point version right there how the Sith Lord had the power to create life and avoid death. But this is the entire story. And it's more than just Plagueis's story. It's Palpatine's ultimate origin story, right? Because Palpatine, as you can infer from that scene in the movie, was Plagueis's apprentice. So you see Palpatine uh, as he's a teenager. He becomes a Sith apprentice to then full-fledged mentor murderer. If you watch the movie, you know how this book ends. Um, but if you're looking... It's, it's an incredible tale. And if you're looking for an expanded universe novel that gives context to and sets up on-screen story, it doesn't get any better than this. Because even if this is no longer considered canon due to the, you know, the 2014 literary reset that we talked about, it's a still essential fan reading because it shows all the years in the making schemes that led to the Naboo trade blockade, the creation of the clone army, all this stuff is you have Plagueis and Palpatine talking about in the prequel trilogy. So this is a must-read book for anyone interested and anyone who loves that scene at the opera in Revenge of the Sith. Let's take a quick listen. Tenebris's anger stabbed at Plagueis. You've risked everything to undo me. The entire future of the Sith. My instincts about you prove correct after all. Plagueis leaned away from him, nonchalant, but in fact filled with an icy fury. I'll find a way home, Tenebris, as will you. And with a chopping motion of his left hand, he broke the bit's neck. Ooh. I mean, he's a Sith. What do you what do you expect, right? Like that's what he's gonna do. So in other way, in other words, Dalton, you're telling me this is not a story that the Jedi would tell you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, uh, that, this is I've I've heard a lot about the the this particular book and um no I'm into it. I I love how many no spoilers, but I, I'm I'm curious about how many uh you know kind of dark side stories you have near near the top of your list. Well, it's a lot because that was number two and that was number three, was was three more of them, and now we're gonna get to number one, which is I guess I guess there's dark side in that i mean there's bad guys i guess there's no real siths in them which is and this is listen i'm sure an obvious one this is gonna be number one on probably most star wars lists i could have given a hot take Devin, and not had this be number one but it is number one for both the quality of the writing the characters and the influence that it has had on current star wars and that is the original thrawn trilogy this is heir to the empire it's dark force rising it's the last command all by Timothy Zahn, obviously legend stories now, been completely retconned up the wazoo. Um, they came out in 1991 to 1993. 1991, not a lot of Star Wars stuff happening. You got to realize no, no, no books, no TV shows, no movies, nothing going on, which is one of the reasons why this became such a phenomenon. 
listen, uh, you've heard me talk a lot about Thrawn books. There's a lot of newer installments, which are like a varying quality. It's a kinder, gentler Thrawn. He's almost like the quote unquote hero of those books. And, but that's not the case here. Uh, when Air of the Empire came out, uh, it was, uh, he was, you know, he was evil. He was the bad guy. He was the guy trying to piece together, scotch tape the, the Empire back together after what happened to Palpatine. And he was a, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Thrawn. I'm telling you this military genius who can sort of think, you know, 10 steps ahead of his opponent and uses art to sort of understand his enemy. And this is the first time we met him, this, this sort of brilliant chiss turned imperial officer. Um, he wasn't the only great character out of these books, though, Devin. You also had the uh, Jorah Saboth, who I mentioned earlier in Out- Outbound Flight. This is a, the mad clone version of him. I think it's the first Star Wars clone that we ever had in any sort of Star Wars was this jet mad Jedi clone here. You also have Luke Skywalker's uh, future wife, Mara Jade, who's played roles in comic books, video games, and books. She started here as well. So you get to watch Thrawn play chess against, you know, the three L's, Luke, Leia, and Lando. That's awesome. There's a move at the end of this trilogy that you just won't see coming, which is super, I actually gasped when it happened. And, you know, basically all your Star Wars reading should begin right here. Like it should begin with the Thrawn trilogy. I know it's not canon anymore. So the new books and stories sort of contradict a lot of like how Thrawn came to be and met the Emperor and started working for them. Doesn't matter. It's great stuff. You have to read it. Let's take a listen. Slowly, Pelion let his eyes sweep across the bridge, feeling the echoes of old anger and hatred twist through his stomach. There had been many commanders in the fleet, he knew, who had seen the Emperor's original Death Star as a blatant attempt to bring the Empire's vast military power more tightly under his direct control, just as he had already done with the Empire's political power. The fact that he'd ignored the battle station's proven vulnerability and gone ahead with a second Death Star had merely reinforced that suspicion. There would have been few in the fleet's upper echelons who would have genuinely mourned its loss, if it hadn't, in its death throes, taken the Super Star Destroyer Executor with it. And by the way, you just heard the name Pelion, who just showed up on The Mandalorian, played by Xander Berkeley. So you see these characters, like Thrawn, like Pelion, they, they started here in this trilogy of books by Timothy Zondam. Yeah, this is, uh, when, you, when you told me you were making this list, I assumed, uh, didn't want to assume, but uh, come on. Uh, the Thrawn trilogy is iconic. It's finally a book that I've read on this list. <laughs> <laughs> I have read Heir to the Empire, um, and I've also read Dark Force Rising. I've not read The Last Command. I've only read the first two. Um, but no, these are, I mean, you you interview people who are working on Star Wars now, and and they talk reverently about this trilogy, about, you know, just, and, and I think you're right. I think we see its legacy in, even though it's not considered canon anymore, characters popping up and, and sort of the, the, the legacy of these books really, really looms large within the Star Wars universe. I mean, Mara Jade is, is one of the most you know, popular extended universe characters of all time. Obviously Thrawn is iconic. He just made his, his jump into live action. Um, no, these are, these, these books are, are sort of the, the gold standard for when it comes to just certainly as far as like pop culture legacy and like influencing sort of the state of star Wars. I, I, I don't think you can, it gets much bigger than these. Yeah. And I encourage anyone to, you know, disagree with me. If like, I, you know, I, I, 
I don't hate the new Thrawn books. I mean, there's literally been like six of them. I think that have come out like recently. I, I just, and they're written by Timothy Zahn. Um, just, there are varying qualities. Some of them I like more than others. They're just, they're not to me of the quality that this is, but if you disagree, I want to hear from you. Six, five, seven, seven, nine, nine, one, five, six, six. Or if you do agree with me and, and listen, I'm sure there's books you love that were not on this list. Please call, tell us about them, tell all our other listeners about them, why they should be listening to your books. If you do agree or disagree with anything else I said here, give us a call, 657-799-1566. Let us know what you think. This is one person's list and one person's list only. But hopefully, like I said, holidays coming up. If you're looking maybe to tell people what to get you or you want to get something for someone else that you know loves Star Wars, maybe these are some some gift ideas uh, you can wrap under the tree. So actually, as a follow-up question to that, Dalton, um, for people like me who are not super involved in the book side of things, what would be your recommendation for like where to start? Like, or would you say Heir to the Empire or like what, like what would be good intro books or does it sort of just depend on your interests? Like if you're really into so Clone Wars, little, if you're really into, yeah. you know. I guess it's, so, like, listen, the Thrawn trilogy, just for like your cultural upkeep and knowledge is probably a good place to start. You know what I mean? Just because it's so, like you said, revered. But otherwise, it kind of depends on what you're more interested in knowing about. Like I mentioned, if you love that scene from Revenge of the Sith at the space opera, then go for Darth Plagueis. If you really love political thrillers and you love Princess Leia, then you want to go for Bloodline. If you're Obi-Wan Kenobi team all the way, then yeah, you go for Kenobi. If you're a big Clone Wars fan and you want more Clone Wars, then you go Dark Disciple. So I, I don't think you can really go wrong with any of these picks. I would say, like I mentioned before, don't read Outbound Flight before the Thrawn trilogy because they're sort of connected and makes sense to learn those characters first in the Thrawn trilogy. So I'd, I'd say, you know, one of those picks is, is a great way to go. The Darth Bane stuff's really fun too. If you love Sith, you love the dark side, and there's some old school, uh, giant, giant, Jedi versus Sith battle. When I say that, I don't mean like one or two people going at it. I'm talking about tons of Sith, tons of Jedi in a giant battle on a planet. You'll get that in the Darth Bane trilogy, which is pretty cool too. That's one of the fun things though, is there's so many different, you know, places to start and kind of different storylines to follow. So I know I'm I'm walking away with this with a very lengthy reading list. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, listen, and I hope, listen, if you read one of these books and you hate them, Call and leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear it. Listen, <laughs> none of us all think the same on these things. We know Devin and I, like we debate and discuss and argue stuff all the time. That's the fun of Star Wars. We all have our personal preferences and opinions. Uh, so, but uh, but I hope you guys do check some of these books out and I, I hope I hope you dig it. Um, all right. Uh, I guess that's going to put a bow on this week's episode. And now's the point on the podcast where I ask you to please subscribe and please rate us. Please write us a review. If you do leave us a nice review, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod. Also, leave us a voicemail message. Like I said, anything you want, just call us, say what you got to say, 657-799-1566, and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. And you can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.